You are listening to the Galena Missions Podcast, the preaching ministry of Galena Bible Church. Follow along as we study God's Word together. John 15, we're going to be starting in verse 8 today. We're starting a new series. I'm not 100% sure how long it's going to go, but it's going to go for a little while. Uh, called Just Like Jesus. Um, we have a picture in one of our albums. I, uh, I, I couldn't find it uh, this morning as I was. Well, I wanted to try to snap a picture of it to have it up there, but it's one of my actually favorite pictures of Preston when he was little. Um, and it was a, a distinct moment for me as, as dad uh, when I realized what the significance of my role in my kid's life was. Uh, and it was this... Uh, this image of uh, Preston in our backyard in, in Louisiana, and he's wearing one of my ball caps, and he's wearing my uh, size 13 boots, which come up you know above his knees, and he has a carpenter pencil shoved up inside of the the uh, side of his hat, which is where I always carry my uh, my pencil when I'm when I'm wearing my hat. And the details of it were that he was playing in the backyard, and we had a, a trash can flipped over, and he's and uh, Shell asked him, what you doing, buddy? And he said, I'm working on my rental. And, and that was what he was doing. He was sitting there working on this, like pretending like it was his, his blue rental house, and he was working on it, and that's what he was doing. And he just wanted to look and act just like me, and it scared the bejesus out of me, right? Because I went, oh my goodness. Like you, Cognitively, as a, as a dad, you understand the reality of that, right? I mean, you know, every guy has that moment where they make a joke that they now think is funny that they were like, wait, when my dad used to make this joke, they, well, I didn't think it was funny back then, right? Like, it's those same connection kind of things, but there is an emulation that happens in our life of the people that we look up to. And we, uh, you know, they say that uh, uh, imitation is the best form of flattery. There is this desire in our hearts to be like the people that we admire most. We want to learn from them. Uh, As teachers entering in the field, I've heard a number of them that have said, I was so thankful that I had this teacher who had been a teacher for 25, 30 years, and then I was able to watch how they did things, right? Uh, My pastoral ministry and experience, uh, and if you've uh, had any uh, blessing by anything that I've been as your pastor, a lot of that is due to a guy who's now with the Lord named Randy Wager, uh, who was the the model for me of what it meant to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that played out into life, right? Like our we emulate people, but ultimately as Christians, literally the word Christian means little Christs, our job, our desire, our hope is every single day to grow a little bit more into the image of Jesus Christ. We talked about last week as we concluded the the series Come, Share, Grow, Go, looking at that go dynamic that we are to be Christ into this world, that the world would know who Jesus is simply by watching us and listening to what we have to say. And we said, man, that's that's a bunch of big shoes to fill. So how do we do that? How do we continually and intentionally grow in character, in action, and emotion to be more like Jesus? And so what we're going to be looking at in this series that we're going to be doing are those things. Specific actions of Jesus, specific attitudes of Jesus, and specific emotions of Jesus. And how do we take those things 
and not conform Jesus into our present understanding of how we think about values and and significant things, but looking at Jesus and saying, what do I need to conform in me to look more like Him? And today we're going to look at joy just like Jesus. Joy just like Jesus. Take a look with me in John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 8. This is, of course, Jesus' great teaching there at the end of uh, of his life, and the the, that picture of the him teaching uh, in the uh, his disciples in that final week of his life. And in John chapter 15, we have the the famous uh, "I am the vine, and you are the branches." uh, That passage, and in the context of that. In verse 8, he begins and says this. He says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. Just as the Father has loved Me, I have also loved you. Abide in My love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the Word of the Lord. Joy... Uh, is something that all of us pursue. Uh, We don't usually pursue it um, with the thought of, I'm pursuing this for my joy. It is a, a natural way in which we engage in life. We were having a silly conversation this morning uh, about, you know, could you imagine how frustrating life would be if every muscle of your body that acts involuntarily, you had to consciously make work, right? So you're having to consciously think, heart beat, uh, diaphragm inhale, right? All of those kind of things continually while living life. Well, you don't think on those things. They just do their thing. They just function the way that they are. And we as human beings are hardwired, literally, to pursue what we think will bring us the greatest amount of joy. That hardwiring is literally a chemical that's inside of your brain called dopamine. It's in the part of your brain uh, that is... um, uh, they call it the happy, uh, the happy hormone, um, but it's the, the part of your brain that is wired up to receive pleasure and enjoyment from actions. And as a human being, when you engage in those actions, whatever the action is, if it causes your body to release dopamine, it literally creates a neural pathway in your brain that associates that action with the pleasure feeling. The joy, the happiness, the satisfaction. And it literally tells your brain, if you want to be happy, if you want to feel joyful, if you want to experience pleasure, do that action. Now notice, I haven't said what that action is. Because that's not the point. The point is, your mind, the way that God designed it, God designed you to... to, uh, Uh, create patterns and habits within your life 
that ultimately lead to joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction. And that pursuit of that uh, binds into your soul, into your, be- into your being, this identity that I love this thing because of the end goal that is in it. Now, many of us have bad habits, right? That's, that's just another part of being a human being. We have, we have habits that we wish we wouldn't do. Maybe the habits is uh, overeating. Maybe the habit is binge-watching things. Uh, maybe the habit is uh, being risky with your money in a gambling kind of way. Maybe your habit has something to do with the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. And if you've ever had a habit that you said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to break this habit. I don't want this to be a part of my life. We all know just how challenging those things are to break. They're not easy, right? I mean, we, we probably know somebody that decide, woke up, you know, was a, a chronic alcoholic and decided one day, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. And they woke up and they quit and that was it and that's their story. For every one of those, there's like 500 that are like, yeah, I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they tried for a little while and then they fell back and then they tried and made a decision. They tried and they fell back and we asked the question, why, why is that? Well, last, uh, last night, Shell called me as I was working at the duplex and she said, hey, there's bullwinkles in the garden. And so I was thinking, man, that would be really convenient, right? You know, I could go and pick him up with a forklift and, you know, there's no picking it up with my back or nothing, right? Dadgum city ordinance that says you can't shoot inside of the city limits. So Martin, I called up Martin, who I know has a, has, a, uh, has a bow, and I was like, why don't you come on over? Well, he didn't have his bow ready. But we went back walking, trying to find where this bull had walked. And what I noticed is as I was walking back through there, is it's wooded. I mean, it's distinctly wooded. But as you look, you're like, wait, that, this curve of woods looks very uniform. There's trees and stuff that's in there and stuff that's overhanging and things that have fallen through it. But as I look at it, I can very distinctly go, somebody cut a trail at some point in time a long time ago and it's still here. Now, it looks like there's a lot of woods that have grown up here, but there is distinctly a a trail, a path that has happened here. This is what habits are. They're literally, we walk over the ground, it compresses it into our mind, and even though we say, you know what, I stop, that pathway still exists. And it creates this way in which it is so much easier for me to get from my house to Sweetser's house by walking a direct path through the woods than it is for me to walk all the way down the road and then make a ride on Tiger Fleetway and then walk all the way over to Sweetser's. It's just so much easier if I just walk straight through the woods. Now what does all this have to do with joy? Well, Jesus said something very distinct in this. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Oftentimes when we think of Jesus, we think of Jesus very sober. Jesus is the serious guy, right? Unfortunately, I, I think that's, there's oftentimes where I think that's, that's the persona that I give off. That the, Chris is always serious. 
that he's he's intimidating in these you know kind of ways. And I'm like, I, that's not my hope. That's not what that's not what I'm trying to pursue. You know, I'm not trying to pursue that kind of thing. And I don't think that's what Jesus was either. Either I think there's things about that we can see from Jesus' life. Like there's a reason why the disciples had to try to shoo off children from running to Jesus. Right? Children actually wanted to be with Him. And what I know about children is if you're kind of a stick in the mud, they don't really want to be hanging out with you. They want to go play with the fun uncle, right? Like that's that's what they want, that's what they want to do. And that's the kind of person that Jesus was. They pursued him, they ran to him. They he he was the kind of guy that got invited to parties. That's who Jesus was. When we think of Jesus, one of the first things that we should think about him is His joy. Every, and this is, I'm, I'm saying this expressly, absolutely everything that Jesus did on this earth, He did for His joy. And we can see that all over Scripture, if you're looking for it. One of the most clear things of that, when I say that everything that He did was for the purpose of His joy, comes from, uh, we can point to like, Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 12 where he says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. Jesus pursued every action that He did ultimately for His joy. Now, in a lot of ways, in our present day world, if you look at somebody and, and they say, my life is defined by the pursuit of pleasure. What is the technical term for that? Hedonism. Hedonism. It is, if it feels good, then it's for me. It's, it's what I want, right? I want pleasure. I want joy. I want satisfaction. And in classical hedonism, the, the only rule is as long as it does not cause uh, others to lose their pleasure, then it is fair game. There is no moral code based upon it. You just live your life however it brings you pleasure. And so if I make the statement to say everything Jesus did, He did for the sake of the joy that He would get from it, it might sound a little bit Scary, right? It might almost sound like hedonism. But I want us to see something very clearly in the reality of this that Jesus is teaching when He talks about this nature of joy. Remember we said all of us are pursuing pleasure. It's literally the way God wired you to be. You pursue the kind of person that you're going after, the husband or the wife or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or whatever, because you perceive they will bring you the most joy. They will bring you the, the most uh, pleasure and satisfaction that you can get out of, out of this kind of a life. You pursue the job that you want based upon the fact of what you think it's going, you're going to get out of it. You choose what you're going to eat, whether based upon you like it or not, right? Uh, you, you do, not unless you're a kid, and then you just eat what's put in front of you, right? But we, we pursue what we pursue because we believe it's going to bring us the most joy and the most pleasure. It's just 
us one of the things that defines us as a human being. So we ask the question, if we are wired up to pursue joy, and if we are, as Christians, designed to imitate and mirror Jesus, how do we pursue the kind of joy that Jesus pursued? Now I'm going to read this passage again, and I want you to see if you can pick up what was it that Jesus thought would cause him or give him the most joy. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be My disciples. Just as the Father has loved Me, I have also loved you. Abide in My love. If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. Just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. What do you think? What was Jesus pursuing that He thought would bring Him the greatest joy? Anybody got a guess? Obedience. If you obey My commands, you abide in My love, just as I obeyed My Father's commandments and abide in His love. Obedience to God's commandments. Boy, that sounds like a stick in the mud if I've ever heard of a thing, right? You want to be happy? Obey. You want to be a happy American? Obey. Right? Do the thing. Obey or else. Right? It's like the old uh, pirate statement the beatings shall continue until morale increases. Right? That's what it feels like. And yet Jesus said, I abide in his love because. I obey. I have kept the commandments that He gave. I want you to think about this again. When God designed you, He designed you to experience exquisite pleasure. When God formed and fashioned you, He made you that you would feel Excellent satisfaction. When God thought you up in His mind from eternity past and formed all of your substance from nothing, He did it in such a way where you would feel elated joy. All of that was God's idea. All of that was His good pleasure. All of that was God's plan. Do you think God would do all of that in your life and be like, yeah, I don't ever want them to actually get to use any of that. Right? That's like the stuff on your computer that only Scott knows how to work on. Right? 
you know, there's all kind of stuff in there. I, I'm never using I'm not, I have no idea how these settings work. And if I touch the settings, I'm going to have to call them because I don't know. I messed it up. I don't know how it works, right? And as though God wired you up to say, like, here is, here is exceptional joy and you don't get to have any of it. You know what that sounds a lot like? That sounds like Satan looking at Eve in the garden and saying, God's holding out on you. God knows that in the day that you disobey Him, you'll be like Him. Knowing actual pleasure. Knowing actual satisfaction. Knowing actual joy. It's one of the great lies of Satan in this world. That the joys that we are made to pursue, we can actually find in better ways and cheap imitations. Those neural pathways that literally are created, the synapses start connect, making the, connecting the dots of saying like, it's why when you take a bite of a really nice chocolate, not American chocolate, right Martin? Not the, not the waxy stuff, but the real, the real good German chocolate. It, touch, it touches your tongue and it melts into there and all of a sudden your brain goes like, oh yes, this is good, right? And then the next time you have a, a you know, a... a Oh, what's the uh, Tootsie Roll? A Tootsie Roll, which is labeled as chocolate, and your brain's going like, "This is not. These are not the same things, right? This is this is not equal." That's why. That's why your brain does that. It's going. This is not the same path. This is not the same. I'm not releasing the same thing. God wired that up in you, and it's such that your heart and everything in you desires to go back a certain direction to this place of health and wholeness and satisfaction. In fact, it's one of the great lies of the sexual revolution in our world today that says sexual pleasure is the ultimate goal. And the reality of it is that's, that's not the case. The endearment of life on life united becoming one flesh brings so much greater joy than just the act of sex in and of itself. The end goal is not the ultimate thing. If I walk from my house to Sweetser's and I take the cut through through the woods, I might have a shorter trip and I might see a couple things, but I'll probably miss stopping and talking to somebody on the side of the road and I'll miss the beautiful view of the river and I'll miss the conversation that I, I might have with somebody as they're walking down Tiger Freeway and the exercise, that I, all of the other benefits that are going that way rather than the shortcut through the woods. When God gives us His commands, He gives them to us in such a way as to say, ultimately, this is for your greatest good. This is for your greatest good. This is what will bring you the most satisfaction out of the life that I have given you. Because we acknowledge the fact that God made us and He made all things and He's the one that orders all things and defines all things. And so as we look at those things and we receive them uh, from Him, as we receive them from gifts, as gifts, there is a distinct difference, right? If you find a trinket at the dump and you pick it up and you wash it off and you're like, hey, this is a useful thing. I might keep this and I might use this. But if you have a great-grandfather that gives to you something that they made with their own hands... 
And they give that to you, the the weight of the thing that you found at the dump and the weight of the thing that your great-grandfather handcrafted of his own accord and gave to you specifically as a gift because he loves you and he cares about you. You're going to value those two things a little differently, right? If those two things are sitting in a house and that house catches on fire and you only got time to grab one thing, you're probably going to grab the thing that was given to you by the one that loved you and cared for you. This is what every command of God is. God reveals to us His character. Not to be somebody that is saying, I want to squish your joy and satisfaction. I want to hold back from you. But He gives to us His very character in love. See what Jesus says, He says, just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. Rest in the reality that God loves you and cares about you and everything that God gives you, every command that comes from His mouth, every dictate that He has for our life, everything that He he says, don't do that, it's going to rob you of life. All of those things come from His character, His goodness, His love, His mercy. And He says, abide in these things. Stay in it. Stay connected. Stay drawing out. Earlier on when he describes this, when he says, I'm the vine and uh, and my Father is the vine dresser and you are the branches. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You can't birth lasting joy on your own. You can't find ultimate satisfaction of your own accord. All of it comes from His character. Now, as, as a pastor, as I speak this into the world, and the world looks back at me and they say, well, what do you mean? There are people that are not Christians, don't love and follow Jesus, have nothing to do with the Bible, that have happy marriages. Well, yes. That's because the reality of what God designed echoes into the world. The fact that there is good things outside of the Christian faith even attest to the reality that there is... A, uh, a God, or a, um, a designer of all of it, a maker of all things that echoes it into the world. Why is it that we as a world value love? Why is it that we as a, as a world value beauty? Why is it that we value all of these things? It's because God made them and He made them for us and they echo His grace and His goodness. But it's when we take those things and we alter them or we short them of what God intends for them to be that it actually robs us of joy. Jesus, pursuing His greatest joy in all things, said, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. Every day, Jesus got up and said, I can do nothing of My own will, but only according to the will of Him who sent Me. And in the end of these things, He said, these things I've spoken to you so that My joy, that's not conditional upon you, and it's not conditional upon My circumstances, and it's not conditional on anything else, My joy which is filled and found in obedience to God and in abiding in His love and the reality of that, that My joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. But the last thing of this, I think is the part that when people read this passage of Scripture, they get tripped up on. And here it is. In verse 10, there's a word. 
one word that could change everything depending on how you interpret that one single solitary word, tiny word. And the word is if. If. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now if is a tricky word because if is a conditional statement. Right? I remember back in early computer programming days, uh, you would write if-then statements. You do this, if this, then this is what it does. And it spills out these things. If was conditional. If, if that's not the way that it is, then these outcomes don't happen. And so we look at this if and we go, this looks a whole lot like a, a conditional statement. If you do the things, if you're obedient... Then, if you obey my commandments, then you will abide in my love. And we ask the question, is that what Jesus is describing here? Because if we go that direction, then that kind of changes a lot of things, doesn't it? If I'm obeying His commandments, then I get the benefits of God. Then I get the love of God. I get the the mercy of God. Then I get the joy of God. Well, the word if, and even especially in in Greek, but even in English, has two distinct meanings as it falls in the reality of how things work in the universe. So the first one would be this. If you are really fast and strong and healthy, you might make it to varsity. If you possess these qualities, if you have this ability, if you're this, then we'll give you the title, the place, the slot on the the varsity team. And you'll get to do that. So if if you're enough, then you'll get to be on the team. That's that's the first kind of, of that. It's the conditional outcome of if. But there is a second kind of if. And it goes something like this. If, if when you wake up, the fever has broken, then, then the infection is gone. If you wake up and the fever that's been burning you up is, is no longer there, then that means the infection is gone. It's true that it's not there anymore. Do you see the distinct difference between the two of them? One of them says that this outcome that we're seeing, because there very is clearly an outcome of this, you abiding in love, in a little bit, he's going to say, if you obey my commands, then you are my friends. And we ask the question, are you a friend of God? Is this if you've done the stuff, you've measured up, then, therefore, you are you get this status, you get this title. Or is it the other way around that something has transpired and how do we know if that thing has transpired? Well, if this is true. And I think he answers it for us very clearly. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Remember Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart
apart from me, you can do nothing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Why did Jesus tack His reality on the end of that? Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Was there ever really any doubt that Jesus wasn't going to succeed? Who was He? He was God in the flesh. The incarnate God of the universe in bodily form. From eternity past to eternity future, one with the Father, one with the Spirit, the triune God, the fullness of God's love. When God is defined as love, that's what it means that God was satisfied in Himself and He was satisfied in His glory and He was satisfied in His purpose. That's who Jesus was. There was never a doubt that Jesus wouldn't succeed. And so when He looks at His disciples and He says, if you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love just in the same way as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. This if statement is not one based upon your condition, but based upon the reality of what it is that God has done for you. That you abide in God's love because you are His disciple. So does that mean we're just off the hook? We don't just willy-nilly, we live however we want to? No, no, no. We follow His commandments not so that we can attain any of this, but because we are resting in the reality of His great love for us. We love His idea of sex because it comes from Him. We love His idea of finances because it comes from Him. We love His idea of our purpose because it comes from Him. And in so doing, in each and every one of those things, when we look to Him and we say, God, what is it that You have said in love towards me? In that we find greatest joy. Ultimate satisfaction. You, Christian, can look at the world and say, I'm living for joy. I am living for pleasure. I am living for satisfaction. I'm living for purpose. And the world looks and says, well, so am I. And saying, yeah, but you're going to get to the end of yours and you're going to find out that it's, it's nothing but sand. It's nothing but dust. Because yours ultimately just ends in you. And mine ultimately ends in God's purpose and character and love for all eternity. Do you want joy? Ultimate, lasting joy? Don't pursue it in false imitations. Don't pursue it in good things. If I've said it one time, I've said it a hundred thousand times. The Gospel changes everything. I live as a father before my kids with the purpose of God's good pleasure in my life. 
I live as a husband in view of God's good pleasure and joy in my life. And every time I find myself in a, uh, in a temptation situation, I have to remind myself that I can cheat God and rob myself. I can lose out on what God intends for me. But my desire is to be like Jesus. To pursue joy in everything. Even if pursuing joy takes me through the cross. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in North Korea knew, knew that to gather was the most dangerous thing that they could do. Do you know what the North Korean punishment for somebody that is caught distributing a Bible is? You're steamrolled in front of your family. You know the steamrollers? Big old heavy roller things? Think about that. You go, there's no way I would never... And for the joy set before them, gladly do it. Gladly pursue it. We were made for ultimate joy. We were made to pursue joy. This world offers us a cheap imitation. Jesus offers for us true and lasting joy. And He says ultimately that true and lasting joy comes from obedience to God's commands. Not out of a sense of duty, but truly out of a sense of delight. Was it for crimes that I had done that He groaned upon the tree? Not just for sins, being naughty, but if you think about the reality of I've committed a crime against heaven. I've broken the law of God. And I am justly due all of His wrath for that. And in that moment, God extends His great joy to me in the person and work of Jesus so that I could have joy forevermore. Now whether you think this is Chris Cobb making this up, it's all over Scripture. One of the greatest Psalms says this, that pleasures forevermore are at your right hand. God wants you to pursue pleasure. And your pleasure is in Him. In every avenue, in every, every vein of your life, every command that we follow and we, we go through, whether that's a command of our marriage, command of our money, command of our parenting, command of what we entertain ourselves with, command of our friendship, command of our emotions, command of everything it is, all of it leads us right back to Him and we find our ultimate joy. And so Jesus' prayer for us is this, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy, Jesus is praying for you, your joy may be full. Thank God that we as Christians get to live joyfully because of what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to live with remorse. We don't have to live with guilt. 
We don't have to live with any of those things because Jesus extends to us His good pleasure. And we find it by listening to and obeying the Lord in every aspect of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that You have given us joy. And so i got to pray that as we look at our own lives, we would have eyes to see those ways in which we're trying to steal from You. We're trying to shortchange Your direction, Your path, by doing it our way rather than doing it Your way. Convict our heart, Holy Spirit, of those things and help us to see that we are actually robbing ourselves of great joy. And the Holy Spirit, we ask that You would help us on that. There's, for many of us, there are deep grooves in our mind, deep paths that have been so well-worn. We've walked them so many thousand times. And it actually just leads us to a pit. Help us to find the truth of obedience to Your way. Give us liberty and, and uh, liberation from those things that hold us fast. We love you and we thank you for the joy that is found in Jesus this morning. We love you and in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've been blessed by the hearing of God's word. Feel free to connect with us at www.galenabiblechurchak.com and subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or at galenamissions.podbean.com.